Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Hawkins. Adam, how you doing today, buddy? Good. Feeling serious. Very serious. Today's topic is extremely serious. No fun today. Speaking of people that are so fun that we're going to have to really bottle her up, Elizabeth Woodson is also with us again. Elizabeth, how are you today? I'm great. Good. I'm glad to hear it. You bring such a joy to my life. Elizabeth, it's great to see you. Today's topic, we're going to continue our series talking through the isms. We've, we've already started this off. We kicked it off. We're doing a lot this fall talking about the isms that kind of drive the undercurrent of our culture, ideologies, and thoughts. Today, we're going to talk about, yes, ladies and gentlemen, conservatism and liberalism, conservatism and liberalism. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Hopefully sparks will fly. Hopefully we can really get into it and resolve this whole political climate. All right, Adam and Elizabeth, today we're going to resolve all the issues between conservatives and liberals. Today, we finally, finally find common ground. And for hundreds of years, this has been something divisive. But Adam, you're a philosopher here. Even the words that we use today, conservative and liberal, are not maybe perfectly aligned in our minds with what the actual ideologies are. Can you give me a, maybe a little bit of a definition around what does it mean to be conservative uh, ideologically? Yeah, I mean, so I think this is even, I'm laughing a little bit as you say, we're going to solve the issues, and I know you're joking, but it's like I even think people might be a bit disappointed from the side of conservatism actually doesn't mean Republican right wing in America. That's actually not, it may be surprised. And liberalism is so far from the idea of, you know, um, the Democratic Party uh, in America. Their philosophical roots are actually, um, while they have something to do with America, they're not even, they started in other countries. And so just to go back a little bit, um, most of many philosophers would agree that sort of the the modern idea of conservatism came about uh, or was was sort of codified, if you will, with um, Edmund Burke, uh, who was a writer and thinker and politician uh, in England. Um, and he was an English statesman, I guess is the right way. And sort of the way that Burkean conservatism, the, the motto for it would be good order is the foundation of all things. And so it's the idea that uh, the tried and true, the things that have been tested uh, are the things that we want to hang our hat on. And any changes to the social order need to be slow and deliberate and over time rather than radical. Uh, and the backdrop for this debate for how to uh, engage in social change was really the American Revolution and the French Revolution. So the French Re- Revolution is super important. The, the, the American Revolution, um, while not slow, uh, sort of um, came to be over time and it was fought more traditionally, et cetera, et cetera. The French Revolution, if anybody knows anything about it, was bloody. Uh, they were they were sort of more than just uh, declaring independence from a king. There was this bloodbath. Uh, all ideas were sort of on the table. There was this really, the social order was upended is what I would say. And Burke was really afraid and frightened of what that might mean for the rest of the world um, uh, because it was such a, just a, a brutal and um, um, radical revolution, as opposed to the revolution in America, which certainly had its radical elements. So uh, I think a really good definition, if we want to go back to it, um, and I'm taking this from a book called 
Isms and Ologies, written by a guy named Arthur Goldwag. It's a fun little book that came out, I think, before Wikipedia, because now you could just go on Wikipedia and find all these things. But he says this, traditionally, uh, and I think this is helpful and moves us more to a modern conception, even on from Burke. Traditionally, conservatives are capitalists. They are skeptical of these utopian fixes to all of our social ills, like poverty and prejudice uh, and other stubborn problems of society. Um, And they believe that the invisible hand of the market, if you've heard that term as it talks about capitalism, the invisible hand of the market is better at solving problems than the inefficient uh, government solutions would be. So they see largely money spent on government solutions as a waste of money and waste of time because the invisible hand of the market is better. So that idea of laissez-faire capitalism, which is actually also the uh, a good definition for liberalism, to be honest with you, um, or classical liberalism. Uh, anyways, that would be the, the idea of conservatism. It is, it's what we just said. Okay, thanks, Adam. That's super helpful and so much more intelligent than I could put any words to. But I, I feel know. like what you're just uh, what you just said, uh, conservatism. Almost none of what you said. There were little highlights in there that really stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I think of when I think of conservatism. Yeah. Some of it is like what you're talking about is a historical and it's it's underpinning. But Elizabeth, help us when somebody says today uh, this person is conservative, or when you think about conservatism, what words, what people, what kind of things come to mind? in our current culture when you say conservative? I mean, I think when people say conservative, I immediately think of their political affiliations, um, this idea of empowerment of personal responsibility. So like Adam said, they want limited government, um, they want um, free market, um, religious freedom. So a lot of times it's attached to um, abortion or other beliefs that we have as Christians um, against abortion um, and wanting to be able to uphold those. And so I think a lot of times I think about what conservatives are against when it comes to the ability for government programs to support those in the marginalized of culture. Um, and so what it in terms of Medicare or idea of universal health care, the idea of um, housing and jobs and just the programs that are needed to support people or even welfare. Um, so you think about conservatives are not in a space where they support long-term welfare. And so how do we help people um, who are on the marginalized spaces of our society? And again, to me, it's personal responsibility, the American dream, come in, work hard, and achieve what you can achieve doesn't really account for the disparities Mm -hmm. um, that we see in our culture. And so, again, a lot of times when I think about conservatism, I think about, in some sense, what it's against, um, because sometimes I feel that specifically as an African-American in the different programs to support people that look like me, conservatives are not always in support of. That's great. Those are good examples. When I think of conservatism, obviously we associate it often with the Republican Party. When you're talking about uh, political parties, you you maybe heard terms like social conservative or fiscal conservative, where people want to segment out, like there are portions of this platform, which I associate with. But uh, the age-old difference maybe between Republicanism and Democrats would be when it comes to tax breaks, you would associate conservatism or Republicans with tax breaks for those who are wealthier. And the argument would be that when you give tax breaks to the wealthier and to businesses, the capitalism, when it thrives, then those who are at the bottom will be lifted up because those at the top will have money to reinvest or to hire or to build versus liberalism, which we'll get to in a second. But those are some of the things that I associate with it. So when you say social conservative, maybe you're talking more about social issues like 
like abortion, like welfare. When you talk about fiscal conservatives, you're talking about capitalism. You're talking about investment at the top in order to raise all ships, I believe is what they would say. Adam, am I right here? Yeah. And I mean, I think in in that, let's to, to maybe get break it down simply, I think the idea in conservative conservatism, think about it this way, is to conserve something, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about social conservatism, what are they, I think the question to ask is what are they trying to conserve? And especially in America, that would be, and so I think it's more traditional ideas, traditional ideas about family, traditional ideas about religion, traditional ideas about America, you know, et cetera. I think when you talk about um, uh, fiscal conservatism, I think in some sense, there, I think the idea would be that they're trying to conserve again, maybe the traditional um, class structures. Even you could say, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, some would probably argue against that, but the idea is really what they're trying to conserve is a free market. That that would really be what what a conservative would say. Um, but so so I I do think all of that's really important. Here's the here's the I think another important point though. All of that has really been lost. Are divorced from the Republican Party for the main for for. I think if you look at the last two Republican presidents we've had, if you wanted to argue that they were conservative in a classical sense, especially from a fiscal perspective, you would have a very hard time arguing that they. George Bush spent more money than any previous president spent. A lot of that was connected to the wars we were fighting, but he did spend more money than any previous president before him. And that trend has continued. So then Obama spent more than him. And then uh, Trump is spending a ton of money too. And so the idea that the idea that they are philosophically fiscally conservative is, well, you might be able to say they argue from a philosophical side, but from a practical standpoint, it's not there. And so that's where, same thing with um, social conservatism. Uh, It doesn't actually seem like, besides maybe some hot button topics, that you would argue that Trump seems to be all that interested, you know? uh, Well, this is the issue when you come to ideologies and politics, right? If politics is about getting a job and maintaining a job and having leadership or power versus an ideology, which is about what do I believe? And we vote based on what somebody says they believe, but then they operate out of whatever decisions they believe maybe are best for the country, maybe are best for their position or for their party, then it may not necessarily represent the ideas with which we elected somebody. And that is true for liberals and conservatives. And what? If, and so this conversation really is a huge conversation. We're it talking is. about what are the ideologies yeah. and do we elect based on ideologies? Sure. And should we fire based on failure to follow through on those ideologies? Mm. Uh, even uh, one thing we didn't talk about, but uh, conservatism and republicanism is really associated highly with more rural areas of the country to be the majority, mm-hmm. and those urban areas of the country are majority uh, liberal. And you can see that in any map. It'll show you counties around cities tend to be blue, and counties uh, that are rural tend to be red. But it does not mean, population-wise, that we have uh, a huge difference between them two. This is why we're so split there between independents, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, and liberals. It is a, a highly divisive issue because it is a high, high percentage split between these two things. We're not talking about minority positions here at all. We can talk about minorities within these positions, but you're talking about about half the country is this and about Well, half if you the actually look at for, at ideology, if you actually yeah. look at ideology, America for a very very long time, very very long time has been what you would call center right. 
So it leans a little more conservative, more people, when you talk about free market ideas, capitalism, these kind of things, mm -hmm. traditionally speaking in the 1900s, you might say, right? Uh, or at least from the 50s on, America's sort of leaned center, right? It doesn't mean that there aren't times where there's more progressive ideologies that come to the forefront or in power or those kind of things. But just on ge in general, when you talk about the entire population, it's been more a more center right. But that's what's fascinating about today's day and age in our culture yes. is where moderate maybe would seem like safer. Now what you see is more extremes, mm -hmm. I think, at least in the political world. You see like somebody who's extreme conservative battling somebody who's extreme liberal. That's right. If you're talking about, in other words that we might use, right wing and left wing, which also have a history to them, but right wing being associated with conservatism and left wing being associated with liberalism, you'll see what we would call in the media extreme right wing or extreme left wing. And there's even within that extremists that would uh, maybe uh, espouse uh, following a certain member of those political parties, but maybe even their belief system is far off the spectrum of what anybody would say. Yeah, that's a conservative viewpoint. Well, that's what's so hard even about this conversation for anybody who likes a t type of intellectual consistency, because I think the reality is if you aren't voting based on strongly held beliefs, right, a foundation from which you can understand that people will govern from, uh, then I don't know, then you're really, it doesn't matter what you believe at that point. Then you're just voting for a person who I guess you don't know what they're going to do, you know? And so yeah. the question of, do you vote based on, uh, ideologies, I think is an important one. And I, I mean, frankly, because of the divorce from classical conservatism, you had what was coined a new term, which has been neoconservatism, neocons, if you've heard that term before. And really what that's been associated with is more the the George Bush era until now. Uh, and now they don't even, Trump's not a neocon, so it's hard to know what he is. But but the, the neoconservative was more interested in world building. So it was this idea of America needs to be the world police. We need to sort of export our values. Uh, we need to protect ourselves. It was it was um, associated with globalization and global capitalism. And so the idea of, you know, free trade across the world yeah. is a big idea that's associated with neoconservatism, uh, the religious right coming in. Because honestly, previous to the strong push from the religious right, conservatives weren't necessarily connected to uh, the... Um, to the, the religious backbone of America. Hmm. That was a later development, which most people don't even know. A lot of times conservatives were more about the separation of church and state. They were really, really uh, concerned about the, uh, the, the, the marriage of power between re the religious and the, um, and the government. And so it wasn't until later with moral majority and maybe even some underpinnings coming before that, but it wasn't even until maybe the Reagan era that you really saw Republicans sort of adopt and, and, and go to bed with, um, uh, uh, I guess what you would call sort of the civil religion aspect of America. Yeah, and so so it's just strange. It's strange. The developments are really strange. There is yeah. not to try to talk about these things as if they don't develop or they're in isolation. It's just, yeah. it won't make sense. Well, that's what's fascinating to me is we're talking about something that has evolved over and over and over again. Yes. You're talking about roots in the French Revolution. What we're looking at right now <laughs> yeah. is not what was happening no, and no. it's not what it looked like 50 years ago. No. And today's Republican Party or Democratic Party is not what they were 50 years ago. And in some ways, you're like, are we just, is it because culture has evolved that we need to communicate differently or we just have different things we care about? 
And some of it is is literally like we exist in a different culture than our parents grew up mm-hmm. in, and they exist in a different culture than their parents. And yeah. we talk about generations, we talk about millennials, you talk about Generation X, you talk about Generation Y, however you want to talk about it. We have a different set of values and beliefs. That's what forms culture. And so in that, in order to have find success as a business or as a or as a political party or whatever might have you, you evolve based within this ideology, uh, even sometimes even in the same campaign season or sometimes within the same presidency. You see culture shift dramatically, but a lot of this is imperceptibly slow. But before we get too far down this sure. road, Adam, want you to give us a little bit of a definition of like ri- liberalism. Yeah. So we would maybe say in today's culture, you'd say this is counterpoint. Yeah. You know, liberalism must be the exact opposite of conservatism. But what's the actual definition? Give me the ideology that is liberalism. So if you're talking about actu- the political parties of both Republicans and Democrats, their genesis is both in what we would call classical liberalism. So classical liberalism is, if you've heard of like people like John Locke and these kind of um, philosophers who who were, in a sense, uh, the, the, the philosophers that our founding fathers were reading, classical liberalism is really associated with freedom, right? And individual rights. That's really what it comes from. So it's, again, uh, uh, you, you, the, the, the history would, would go further back than the revolutions that we're talking about, but as uh, the American Revolution and the French Revolution. But as you see their sort of modern genesis, I think, again, it's a good time period to look at. And so classical liberalism, again, is more associated with free markets. That's a big thing, again, but also with individual liberties and individual rights. It's also associated with um, freedom from institutions a lot of times, uh, that the institutions become subservient to the individual and serve the individual rather than the individual serving the institutions. So, for instance, like monarchy and things like that, where there's these this, this sole power who is just, you defer all authority to, that, that falls by the wayside under classical liberalism. And then it's, no, the authorities and institutions are actually going to serve the people, serve the individual. Same thing with church, right? So liberalism in the church is a huge idea, and it's a very Protestant idea that says um, that I can read my Bible and determine on my own, right? I have the freedom as a priest, you know, everybody, the priesthood of all believers, I have the freedom to read my Bible and decide for myself what it means. These kind of ideas that uh, the antithesis of liberalism is probably more, is not conservatism, it's probably probably more authoritarianism is, is probably the difference. And I think this is really important because when we say liberal now, that's not what it means. Liberal now is more associated with progressivism and, and it really probably more like the welfare state mm-hmm. as to Elizabeth's point. It's more the idea, a liberal is somebody who believes the government, like today's term, probably in, in our minds when you hear the word liberal, it's that these are people who believe in high taxes. These are people who believe in the government taking more control of our lives because corporation, corporate greed and in, you know individual greed and these kind of things are bad for society. We need to fight that and we need to help certain people in our society you know, gain momentum and rise through the different class ranks and those kind of things. So, um, and then, and then also probably though more associated with individual freedom socially as well. So a, a conservative is probably more associated in today's nomenclature is probably more associated with fiscal freedom and social restrictions, traditions, uh, 
And a liberal is probably more associated with fiscal restrictions and social freedoms, if that makes sense. So uh, gay rights and, um, uh, you know, that, that would be a hot button topic now, uh, sexual revolution and sexual freedoms, et cetera, et cetera. So more tearing down those traditions, if that, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, Elizabeth, what kind of words, when you talk about liberalism in today's culture, this day and age, what words, what people, what ideologies come to mind when we talk about liberalism? I mean, I think for me, it's the idea that um, the government's role is to help alleviate social ills and to protect our protect our civil liberties. Um, and so it is the higher taxes. It's a big government. It's equality. It is equal opportunity for people, um, which inc- inc- doesn't always align with um, religious freedom and in some sense of support of a Christian Protestant views. Um, so you see a tension there, but it is everyone deserves an equal opportunity to um, exist within this country with certain rights and privileges there within. Um, and so I think you see, to me, when I think of liberalism in today's current context, those are the things that kind of come to mind for me and that our government should be the means to get there because we do not trust institutions, we see that, um, say that they would believe that, um, even when you think about like the the income gap, that there are a certain group of people who actually control things in our country and they want that control to be disseminated to a group of people so that the people can care for the people instead of institutions having control over the people. Mm. That's so helpful, so good. So help me with this. This is one of the big questions today. So within the church, we have certain things we care about because the Lord has called us to care about them. But because of the nature of the current political climate, where you have teams, a conservative team and a liberal team, if I mention something uh, the scripture cares about, if I say, I care about criminal justice reform for the, for the sake of those who have suffered injustice because of what they look like or their socioeconomic background, it sounds like, oh, this guy, that's the Democratic Party platform. If I say, I care about the unborn, and we need to advocate for those women in crisis pregnancy and those babies who are real human beings, people like, oh, that's Republican. And if I say, I care about immigration rights, and I care about those people who have immigrated to this country from wherever, we should welcome refugees, we should care for them, oh, Democratic platform. And if I say, hey, I care a lot about veterans, and we need to really serve those who have gone to war, we need to care about uh, the rest of the world's peace and the spread of democracy, or man, I, I just care about veterans. We, we love those who have served in the military. Oh, that's Republican. And so you see how, like, as we walk through these things that I might, in good faith, say as a Christian, these are things the Bible calls me to care about, people will automatically associate me as a Christian with a certain party platform or a certain ideology because we've made conservative and we've made um, liberal into platforms. Platforms being a list of positions on certain topics. So as I take a position, I must then affiliate with a team. But it seems like in this day and age, the Christian church doesn't have a clear home in either team and now I, I know that's maybe unpopular for some super Democrat or super Republican Christian out there going, no, we absolutely do. I'm telling you, I don't feel like we do. So how do we help our people navigate a culture where conservatism and liberalism are pervasive realities with clear platforms where we maybe don't feel at home? Yeah, I think what you just described, and I want to hear Elizabeth's take too, but I think what you just described was... It, in my mind, what has happened is the, the chief filter is not Christianity. 
the yeah. chief filter through which we see all the issues is a political one or whatever you want to call it, a conservative versus a liberal one. And in, in all honesty, so all the things you said, instead of people going, okay, what would the Bible say about that? How do I need to? It is so, so colored by our, our political affiliations. And honestly, one you know, here we call our, you know, here at this church, we call ourselves Citizens Church because we believe we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven that speaks a better word about belonging, speaks a better word about justice than the, than the political culture does, the culture of today does. And so I, honestly, part of what we are trying to do here is to get people to take those political filters and just keep knocking them down the rung in terms of where that starts to come into play for how they think about issues, how they think about culture, how they think about topics. What we want to bring to the very top is what does the Bible say? What does it mean to be an ambassador of a different kingdom on earth, etc.? And so honestly, I know that it's probably super countercultural, but that's really where we are is going, man, I, I just want, I want it to be the fourth or fifth thing you think about, maybe even further down, uh, uh, is what your political affiliation is, honestly. Elizabeth, what do you think? I, mean, I think it's the idea that we don't have a home. Like, yes. This isn't our oh, home. Like, so we are trying to f- find a place to fit, and neither side um, supports the things that we view as Christians perfectly. And so I think first and foremost, like Adam said, is a need to know who does God call us to be as a people of God who live in the kingdom of God? And what ideals should we be pushing forth and virtues in our society as bearers of truth and the things that are to come? Um, And so that requires people, you got to know your Bible and you Mm. have to know the story of scripture and you have to know who God calls us to be. And then you have to actually think about the things that you are hearing and seeing in the political realm. I think a lot of times people just don't think, but we respond to our distaste for certain people. Mm. I mean, we actually do not know the policies. We don't know what laws are being passed. We don't know what's going on. We're just responding and voting based upon um, our family of origin or what our friends are doing. And so I think it requires us to not have just um, a straight ticket, but who's in your community and who's up for election and how's what they support go with what your Bible says. And sometimes that's going to be really hard. Um, And I think it's making our people comfortable with being uncomfortable and with the tension of this isn't going to be easy, but our job is to support the things of God the best way we know how. And sometimes that may look like you supporting conservative political ideologies and sometimes they may support like liberal and sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. Um, but that the starting place is always with the story of scripture. That's so, you know, I love what you said. We don't have a home. And I, I think really that that idea is so important that our home's not here. Right. Yeah. And, and I think um, that if you are, I, per, I'm going to speak personally now, I get really skeptical very quickly about somebody who does not feel like a a Christian who does not feel like they're, they've been orphaned politically. In other words, if a Christian comes in and is like the conservative party is the party that's more aligned with Christianity, or other people will be like, Jesus loved everybody. That's a more democratic ideal, you know, or something like that, or democratic party ideal or something. I get very skeptical very quickly uh, because both of those come from a place of civil religion. Both of those come from a place of, uh, 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 yeah, of trying to turn Christianity into something that serves our political purposes. And I think the more honest answer is to say, uh, neither of them, to, to Elizabeth's point, represent Christianity uh, perfectly 
if even good at all, to be honest with you. Uh, there are some that have on certain issues that seem to line up more with ones with Christianity, and there and and that's true of both parties, right? Uh, care for the poor, etc. Right, and yeah. so it could could be seen as more of a democratic party ideal, right? Um, so, anyways. Uh, and, and then obviously on the, on the, to your point, Adam, on the Christian side, you went through, I mean, on the, there, I did it on the Republican side, yeah. <laughs> uh, you walked through a number of issues that we might say, oh no, this is what the Bible would say. And okay. They, the Republican party lines up with that. Right. And that can be true on both sides of the spectrum. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, uh, Elizabeth, to touch on what you said as well, if, if Christianity is where our home is, if, if like the gospel is what's true and if, if we start to think, though, that because of the environment we've grown up in, that our hope is in a government system to make the decisions for us, and we just need to, the only involvement we need to have is in electing an yeah. official who hopefully aligns up with us, then we have a misplaced hope. Yep. That's good. Because our hope for this country or for any individual is that we would be citizens of heaven, like you're talking about, yeah. that we would pursue God. And, and at the same time, that doesn't um, excuse us from being involved in the political realm, nor speaking into or having opinions about various isms, like we're talking about, liberalism or conservatism, and talking to our kids or talking to those we disciple about where they should land on certain topics. But I believe, and I'd love for you guys to help me think through this, that we offer a better story. The Christian story and the gospel story is a better story than liberalism and is a better story than conservatism. Yeah. How is... Uh, if liberalism is like serving the poor and really loving people for where they're at and, and giving people personal freedom, how does Christianity offer a better story when it comes to that? I think it's freedom is an interesting thing mm -hmm. um, because in the world, freedom means you have no limitations and you have no boundaries. Right. And that is just destructive. Yes. There's no end to that. And so the Christian story tells us that our God gives us limitations and boundaries for our good. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain things that we cannot do. There are certain places, there's just certain behaviors we cannot um, practice for our good and what it means. And ultimately, the story of scripture tells us that our ultimate good is found in God. Yep. Um, it's not found in our own pleasure and our being an individual authority unto ourselves. And so I think when it comes to the reason why we love the poor, the reason why we do all these things that might fit with a, a liberal um, ideas or ideologies results is grounded first and foremost in the glory of God. But I think about freedom, the freedom is not without boundaries and limitations. It is with limitations. And that is for our good because we live in a culture where people are free to do anything they want to. Um, and we see that eating people alive. It's good. Yeah. That's, that's really good. I mean, I, I, I just couldn't agree more. It's like, if, if you want to take liberalism as the idea of freedom being the chief end of man, right? Mm -hmm. At least, you know, like, let's take it this way. Liberalism would say that you are your own God as it relates to your social, let, let's take the more social things, right? As it relates to your body, as it relates to your sexual expression, as it relates to on and on you could go. Uh, and liber liberalism would say that the government is God as it relates to your money. Well, what we would say as a Christian is, no, there's a, tr there's a God. And that God, to Elizabeth's point, uh, it, that God, he puts some good and right boundaries around uh, our freedom um, 
And what we really become is truly free because we become the, we become the most human versions of ourselves mm-hmm. as we worship this God. In other words, we flourish the most under his kingship, under his authority. And in both cases, that also means there are some uh, limitations he puts uh, around uh, the resources he gives us, but it also means that the, the direction of those resources are really determined by him. In other words, if... Uh, the direction of those resources, we say, well, those should be determined by the government. There are places where the Bible would probably agree with some of that, and then there's places where it wouldn't. And so we would again say, no, well, let's uncouple the uh, turning, let's uncouple the authority of the government from the authority that God gives us some money. On the conservative end, conservatives would say, this is, you can get more nuanced about this, but let's just say in general, that you or your God as it comes to your money uh, and the government is your God as it comes to conserving traditions, especially around societal things, sex, you know, et cetera, civil, civil liberties, you might say. And again, we'd say, as it comes to your money, there's a God we serve and he has limitations and he tells us what those are. And as it comes to societal things, he's the one who, uh, w- w- he's uninterested in conserving tradition for tradition's sake. He's interested in conserving certain things about what it means to be human for human flourishing. So do, do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 Elizabeth. So if conservatism is similar to what Adam's talking about is associated with like the greatness of our nation in its limited, but brilliant government. If it's associated with this kind of uh, patriot, patriotism and the spreading of that patriotism around the world. How is Christianity a better story than just like the greatness of America? Because God's greater. Um, <laughs> I felt like that was Period. Oh, Period. Good. I'm done. Yeah. Podcast is over. Because um, I think it is. There are some really dark pieces of our American history that we need to confront as a country. America has done a lot of really wonderful things for Americans. America has also done a lot of really horrible things um, for the people who live in this country and is still doing those things. And so I think this this idea of nationalism, that we love our country more than we love our God. And so we wipe away, um, so we don't hold ourselves to the standard that God holds us to as his people and that our identity is found in being American and our identity is not found ultimately in being in Christ. Because when the two clash, the Lord should always win. Um, and that our goal is not to spread um, America to the nations. Our goal is to spread the gospel about the king and his kingdom to the nations. Um, and ideals that, again, a lot of times fold into what conservatives believe in and want to support, but many times do not. Um, and I think it just is, which liberals would point to is there are problems and we have to address those problems. The free hand of the market um, isn't working for everybody. And so how do we address those things? I think sometimes when it comes to pushing forth nationalism and the greatness of America, we just don't pay attention to the things that we need to say we messed up on. Can I say one thing? But I think it is an important point. I think think right now that there is a shift that's happened in the debate that's going on um, politically and socially in America. And I, I think it's important to pay attention to, and it's not between conservatives and liberals. Any, that's not that's the debate we think we're having, but it's not. The debate that's actually going on right now is between classical liberalism and post-liberalism. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of people think the liberal project, meaning the project of individual rights and liberties and freedoms, 
that can be worked out in the public square, meaning the idea that like multiculturalism can happen, that we can all have different sets of beliefs. And what we do is we all sort of come to the table and we argue it out in the public square. We all have to make concessions, but we tolerate each other's beliefs and ideas because we believe that's what's best for everybody. That is a classical liberal idea, the free marketplace of ideas, et cetera. And that's been the classical project of America in a certain way. And what's changed now is people have said that's failed. And there's a lot of books being written on it right now. Uh, the failure of liberalism is a really interesting one. There's a lot of debate within the Republican Party, uh, or I'm sorry, within the conservative ideological parties right now about whether the liberal project has failed. But it's also happening on the left. And really what's happening now is this idea that, think about it, on the left where you see it attacked is freedom of speech, right? Yeah. On the left where you see it attacked is we have the right way that everybody believes. And if nobody believes right now, it's not so let's come together and argue and find a space for it. Right now what it is, is it's actually changed into you're a bigot if you don't think like I think, yeah. but not just you're a bigot, your ideas are dangerous. They're, so the idea of safe space on campuses and things mm -hmm. like that, it's not necessarily about, what people don't understand is it's not about I'm offended by your ideas. That's not it. It's I'm offended, but what you say is actually dangerous to me as a person. Like, I will be harmed yeah. by the fact that you disagree with me. And so from the left, that is a post-liberal idea. If you can't have a society where you're able to argue these things out and where reason sort of wins the day and we come together and we both make concessions, then what you have is a post-liberal society. On the right, what you have is sort of the Trumpian idea, which is that... Um, uh, it basically says, and, and it is, a lot of them are actually, it's interesting, but a lot of them are Catholic scholars who are basically a lot more comfortable with the idea of theocracies and things like this. But what they're basically saying is we're not going to, we can no longer concede that the other side may have a point. Freedom needs to now be subjugated under the idea that we know what's right and what's right needs to be codified and it needs to be legislated. Um, and, and so these classical liberal ideas, man, they're, they're uh, right now with, with the extremes coming in, it's not Republicans versus um, Democrats anymore. It's liberals versus post-liberalists post-liberals. And it's it's actually pretty dangerous. And I think um, you'll see it. There's like this argument that's happening between a conservative guy named David French and then these other conservative thinkers. So Google it and start to read about it. And basically, um, yeah, the the idea of individual liberty is on the table, man. And and what and the, the, our future could be, if, yeah. depending on which side wins, either that some sort of weird theocracy civil religion is set up, which we would say is dangerous. Uh, and the other side could be that this weird PC new, new puritanical left, which is what a lot of people would call them, uh, which looks a lot like a theocracy, just not one that we would believe in, would become would come to power. And uh, I think it's super dangerous. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I think, that's, I think we need to be more cognizant of that idea than we do just left versus right or That's something. fascinating. Yeah. I do think there's something there incredibly ironic about a society that feels like we are so free with our ideas that you are no longer allowed to think like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the society we've ever entered into yeah. is because your ideas are dangerous. We will now pose a danger to you about what you think. And it, we didn't really talk much about it, but we can talk about it in a future episode. But religious liberty is wrapped up into a lot of this conversation about liberalism and conservatism. And if it finds no home, then maybe eventually it will be wanting, it will be a desire to displace those who find no home, either 
as a conservative or as a liberal. I think uh, to kind of conclude our time, I think we do, we do believe in a, in a love for all people, but we also believe really strongly that everyone needs to change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, everyone needs change, and that the change that is needed is found in Jesus Christ. That's right. The change that is needed mm-hmm. is specified by God's laws, and laws might seem like they inhibit our freedom, but the laws of God serve to free you from mm-hmm. the knucklehead you would be if you just did whatever you thought would be good, if you did whatever you thought would be right. Because if we just really did whatever we thought would be right, then those who are disadvantaged would always remain disadvantaged. And so the government may have these programs that are great to serve people and whatever you believe about who should be doing what. The church of Jesus Christ is called to enter into the world that we are in, the culture we're in, and help those who are in need. For those who have more than they need, the reason you've been given that is not to terminate on yourself, but to help those who are in need. And while we can have pride in our nation, and while we can even affiliate with a political party and still follow our God, our God is greater, our citizenship is in heaven, and we are but strangers here, there is something greater. We are all to walk in the freedom that comes in acknowledging our lack of perfection, but our great need and, and desire for repentance. This is we are constantly want to be sanctified and be more like Jesus Christ, our King. And in Him, we find our righteousness. So while Christians may identify as liberal or Christians may identify as conservative, and there may be different parts of each other's platforms that may align well with what we believe based on God's Word, His Bible, there is nothing to us that says, uh, like Adam said earlier, I pray our primary identity is found in either of these isms. It is helpful to find broad categories that help us talk through things. I love that. But when we start to make arguments or we start to turn disagreements into disrespect, then what we've done is devalued or commodified or exploited another human being in order to make ourselves feel better about our own points. So I want us on Culture Matters to always be able to talk about things that are awkward. It's not easy to talk about liberal, liberalism and conservatism around the family table with your extended family or around uh, the, the break table at work. But for the Christian, we can enter into this discussion with great confidence that we can empathize with either position, understanding that everyone needs to shift into your opinions, need to be those opinions that God has espoused for you in His Word. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast and also follow us on Instagram. Thanks and God bless. We'll see you next time.